life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I realized I thought summer was busy. You thought summer was busy. And then you and I just sat here <laughs> for the last the 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And looked at the next couple of months and figured out there's not enough weekends. We always do this to ourselves. We, we always do this to ourselves. We, we sit down and think it through and look at the calendar and then go, oh. And then we have a big, right. big you know, sigh and a gulp and go, <laughs> How are we okay. going to do that? And then we stop talking about it and life is better again. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a lot we're trying to, trying to pack in. I, I do want to speak to Jeff Hober's question real quick because it's the thing that's on our mind. Yes, we are doing... Velocity season two. Yeah. yeah so this yeah. is what most of our effort is going to right now. Just the quick, just show, show update bit business real quick. Velocity season two will happen January, 2018. Mm-hmm. So that'll be season two. We are also already planning slash setting up shoots for velocity season three, which is third <laughs> quarter of 2018. Bit of an early announcement there, but, but yeah. Well, but we're, but we're so kind you know of, we're thinking. but we're kind of trying to marry these two seasons up. We're trying to kind of do them all in one big push. And that's yeah. why we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah. This is the other reason we're not doing a feature film this year, which to be honest, after four years in a row, I'm a little sad about that. I am too. I thought we were going to nail five. I thought we were going to do I know. five in a row. I know. It's okay. We but still it, have time to it's do It's going to come back. That's the thing. It's just yeah. this year because of the ramp up to, as we're saying, two t- TV seasons at once. But January 2018, also, for those of you that are thinking about it, we're going to be at SEMA this year. We haven't been in a while. We're going to go to SEMA this yeah. year. We're excited about that. Yep. We've got a couple of uh, industry track-related days coming up, track days that, that obviously we can't invite you to. But we're also working on, hopefully, we really are, we're working on a track day on the West Coast. Uh, details forthcoming on that. So, wow. That, and that's this is just the stuff that isn't YouTube or podcast. Right. Right. This is everything else. And by the way, we're still coming off a high of our pilgrimage trip. Oh, my gosh. In Germany. And everybody is saying we got to come back. And Ted, if you're listening, he is our number two. So he's been two years he's in a been, row. Yeah, both years. He's repeat, uh, repeat offender, let's and he's, say. And he's already asked when we're going back. So, <laughs> exactly. clear, But we are going back. For those of you that have asked, we're going to go back next summer for sure, maybe next fall. We're trying, we'll know those dates. Here's the thing. As soon as we know those dates, you'll know those dates. But Agreed. we are now at the mercy of those two tracks. 2018 schedules. I can't believe I'm talking 2018 already. But once we have we the 2018 track schedule, we're all, all over it. it, for sure. Well, go to everydaydriver.com as well. I'm looking at the store tab here. Oh, yeah. It takes you directly to Teespring, where mm-hmm. you can get shirts. And we are going to be updating these more over the winter months as you know we are getting things finished for our Velocity Season 2 shooting. But yes. then you know we've got winter months, and we'll, of course, be skiing and doing other things. Still podcasting, of course, but, but shirts will ramping happen. back new up. Shir- new shirts will happen. Shirts There's a couple of different designs that are there. pending. But if you if you want a Everyday Driver Host shirt, for example, which reminds me, I need my new one. I need to wear my new one on our next shoot. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am hosting. I ought to wear a host shirt. But anyway, but we've got our <laughs> new logo shirts on there. You can get the logo on all kinds of stuff. There's that really cool 9-11 silhouette thing that you drew for 50 years of 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, that like is it. available on lots of things, as is your incredibly cool icon. Honestly, when you did the icon logo, I have to brag on you again. When you did the well, icon logo, you. I was like, yeah, should we, okay, maybe it looks like the M-Badge. And you send this thing that looks like it's actually <laughs> liquid metal. And I went, how did you – is there like a Terminator liquid metal button on your keyboard? Because it looks awesome. So you can get that icon that thing to too. On. So lots of cool shirts there. We'd love for you to have one of them. And uh, so that's all going on. And what else? Oh, 
Hey, thank you. Many of you did share the podcast after we asked about it last yes. time, and a couple more of you reviewed it. So thank you for that, and we would encourage you to do more if you are so inclined. Yes, agreed. Well, speaking of podcasts, let's dive right in. We've got Michael in New York for Car Debate number one. He's been listening for a couple of years now, and he watches all the videos and the TV show and all the podcasts. So thank you, thank Michael, you. for yeah. following along as well. We've also got Shane out in Omaha, and uh, he's in Nebraska. He is wanting to know what car will rekindle his love of driving mm-hmm. and love of cars. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to discussing this with you. Both of these, I for think sure, I have some are really cool. Fun, fun ideas for Shane. I enjoyed both of these. <laughs> the, kind of my research for both of these tonight was pretty exciting. But you know, uh, Shane's thought here about rekindling the love. I had a weird experience this year, this week. Actually, I guess I feel like as I drive this Lotus, I keep coming to the podcast with. I had a weird experience. I, I'm saying it's almost every podcast. Yes. You know what happened to me was Seriously. unexpected. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I, first off, I got the uh, the the wave, the high five wave from a couple of sport bikers today. Oh, really? Because let's be honest, I'm I'm kind of more in their world now. Very true. So you're th- never going to get it from the Harley guys necessarily, the not cruiser necessarily. bike guys. But but I definitely I do get in a bikes. conversation at least once a day about this car, which I actually like that. But at least once a day, That's somebody cool. asks me, and about seventy uh, percent of the time they ask me right after watching me climb out. So there's that party trick I have to get actually on video and share it with you guys because it is quite funny. Chiropractors following you around and putting their business card under your wiper? Yeah, just about. So that's happening. Uh, so apparently, yeah, I'm, I'm flexible and look like – my joke is that it looks like a praying mantis climbing out of a shell because it is kind of that. So I have funny. to share that. But uh, the thing, thing back to Shane's comment real quick. I wanted to talk on this. I had a couple days this week. Now, I'm a guy that when I like commute drive, I like mm-hmm. audiobooks and podcasts and that kind of thing. Right, right. Which I can do in the Lotus. It's loud in there, but you can do it. But yet the Lotus is interesting because if I decide to turn that stuff off, because you kind of have to sacrifice to listen to anything in the Lotus other than the Lotus. Right, but if I turn right. all that stuff off and just go with music that almost in the Lotus plays like background and just focus on all the reasons it's great to drive, even commuting, it's the most fun car I've ever driven. <laughs> Nobody is surprised on this side but, of the table over here. Yes, but but you no but you don't normally put commute with wow that was fun and yet True. just now granted at least granted, you're moving you are moving this you're is not stopping we are not in a stop and go traffic yeah. in Salt Lake and that's the reason yeah. that that's true I'm I'm buzzing down the freeway and it's just fun and I just keep thinking this kind of driving shouldn't be this much fun I'm not even doing the fun kind of driving right and that's how much I'm loving this car so Shane we got to help you out we'll get there in a minute but first we've got Michael in New York. Yeah, well, Michael, thank you for writing in. Uh, he is looking for something that is fun because his currently daily driver is a 2012 Jeep Liberty, okay? So just stay with me. The reason he bought it was because he works on a construction management team and he bought it for reliability. Cue the faint clown music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 2012 being the last year they made, it was simple 3.7 liter V6, four-speed automatic, and they were making this since the preface, you know, the pre-facelift Jeep Liberty, and he drives this to the job site. It's fine off-road, but not fun to drive. Jeep Liberty, the car no one needed. <laughs> there's, there's your tagline. Okay, so now he's bought a house with his wife. And his drive has become longer. Mm -hmm. All right. So what's added to that is a great stretch of road that's fun to drive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Problem is, he's still paying off the Liberty. Yep. So he's got an ad. He looks like he's got to bring six grand 
to pay that off at least. To, yeah, because he's he's because still he's paying underwater off that loan. underwater on it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's new enough. Yeah. And, and those things dropped like stones. I mean, they they well anyway. Yes. The Liberty, <laughs> the car no one needed. The car that could yeah. be a stone. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing for them. All right. So he's out in New York, as I said. He'd rather have all wheel drive, looking for something reliable, because he now drives over 160 miles, spread out over five days a week. What's interesting here is that he says he prefers an automatic. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Michael, I have to say that you're the rare person that writes to us and says, you know what? Automatic over manual. But that's okay because of the nature of your commute and what you're looking for. That's completely okay. Totally. All right. He's also got a 2015 EcoBoost Mustang that he's leasing. He's going to buy out at the end of the lease, and that stays because this was a surprise gift from his wife. Of course, it is sentimental value. Very fun to drive. He's got a Ford Performance Tune on it. Mm-hmm. 335 horsepower, 390 pound-feet at the crank, and uh, also tuned automatic transmission for better shifting. He's got square stance tires, upgraded intercooler, spark plugs. Holy I mean, cow. The, the truth of this is you have sheer fun car covered, and it has history because your wife got it for you. Right, right. So that car's not going anywhere, and the problem is solved. Plus, your wife has got an A4. So we're, we're dealing with kind of just the commute duty car, mm-hmm. but there has to be something better than the Jeep Liberty. Low bar, but there has to be something better than <laughs> the Jeep Liberty. There has to be. Is there anything better but, than Jeep Liberty? Yeah, there isn't. Thank you, thank you all for listening. Dot org. Uh, no, so there's that. But, but that... There has to be something better than the Jeep Liberty, but the problem that we have is this $6,000 albatross of extra money yeah. to pay for. Yeah, which ties you down to about thirteen grand. i am not going to push on that because of the underwater nature of your car. If you mm-hmm. hadn't, if you had that paid off or were trading it up, I might push on this $13,000 budget, but all right, we'll be cool. We'll be cool this time around. <laughs> Look at you. All right. Look at you. I, I just... Wanted to put that out there. I mean, it's it's not fun to bring money to get rid of a car. It, it really isn't. That's it no really, fun really at all. Isn't. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. Hoping that um, doing that is maybe a little bit better than using it as a tax write-off or um, target <laughs> practice or you know making a YouTube video where you launch it off a cliff. I, flaming. We still need to do that at some point just to say we did it, just to see how that <laughs> that video actually does. You know, what a yeah. lovely vi- Viking burial. All right. So. What are you looking for here? I mean, the fun part, the extreme fun part is covered with his Mustang. Okay, mm-hmm. that's covered. We don't mm-hmm. have to go that far. I know. We're still in automatic and possibly all-wheel drive yeah. land over yeah. here. Uh, first off, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be mature about this. Oh. And then I'm going to go, then I'm going to be a child you again. You and maturity is not like peanut butter and jelly. Th- 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 then I'm going to be a child again. <laughs> but here's, here's my first thought. And I'm actually going to jump off of something that you talked about on your recent GTS piece. Okay. And that is about actually driving your fun car and not making it precious. Okay. When I read this, All right. here's, here's my big question when I read this, Michael, is that that EcoBoost Mustang sounds like you love it. sounds like you've tuned it into something you love. When does this get driven and where does it get driven? Okay. This is my question because Fair question. it doesn't get discussed as here's all the times I'm in it. You just discuss it as here's how cool it is. Meanwhile, your drive to work – has created a scenario where you have a sec- section of it that's a fun drive. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I'm not going to pretend to know your daily business, but I bet there are times during the year or just during the week when the site you're going to isn't down some awful road, and you could drive the Mustang Possibly. on all those days. So my first recommendation to you is get that Mustang out there. Put it into mm. the commute scenario. Unless you're sitting in a ton of stop and go, but you're driving. It sounds like you're driving autos anyway. 
Sure. So, so it just, just depends on the road and the nature of the construction. Yeah. And other big trucks. I'm not around sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what your last probably bits. two miles of your commute is probably the part that would be questionable. Right. But right. how's the rest of it? Or could you? I'm just. I'm look. I'm throwing out ideas. Could you park it just outside where things get bad and jump in somebody's truck on the way in? Tow the Jeep Liberty to the site with no, the Mustang. No. No. Don't do that. The the please don't Liberty do that. And drive but, it in. but my point is, drive that Mustang. Drive it more. Yeah. You love it. It has history. It's not going anywhere. Sounds like a great fun car for you. Just put that on the road. No, I like put, it. Put that That's in your life, comment. period. And if if that is something you can do, and I highly, highly recommend it, if that's something you can do, then it might be a situation where you actually can keep the liberty just so you can suffer. Let's be honest. Suffer through it until you are less underwater on that car. Mm-hmm. So this is my mature <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> You've okay? risen to the surface a little bit. Yeah. You can see daylight. Exactly. This is my mature recommendation on okay. that. Uh, Interesting. But then my secondary part is I still am going to stand by, use that Mustang more, and then I've got some ideas for you about replacing that Liberty. But my my big banner thing here is when's the Mustang getting driven? And the answer should be kind of all the time. Sure. And it may get driven all summer long when, you know, he's not going to work. They go out weekends, that kind of thing. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, but New York salts their roads in the winter. Is that the case? And I, I don't I know exactly be, where well, New York. But I'm not recommending this be his winter car. But I'm just True. saying all the good months of the year. True. Let's see how many days a week you can drive that car. Get it out. Get it out in the sunlight. And you know, don't and go. Don't, yeah. don't don't endanger it on purpose. Look, I'm the guy now that I drive a I drive a sports car year round, but I've decided I'm not going to do that to the Lotus. I do understand being precious enough. To actually go, the worst of this, I'm not going to put the car through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, we'll I do get that. On it. But at the same time, you're driving an EcoBoost Mustang. You're not driving a $200,000, what are you doing? True, And true. that Mustang is built to be able to handle kind of whatever. I'm not suggesting get it salted. I'm not <laughs> suggesting... Built in Detroit, you're saying. Well, but I'm not suggesting, you know, beat <laughs> it down a back road. But honestly, how often can you drive it? Because I bet it's more than you think. Hmm. That's an interesting comment. I, I feel that's fair. We don't know the ins and outs, all the details there. So I'm hoping that it gets driven. And yeah, I definitely understand. I think earlier in my driving life, I was very precious, maybe too precious with cars and not just getting out there. But, you know, at what point is it, you know, the the road gravel or that kind of stuff starting to cost you money? There's a middle that's ground. It's kind of unnecessary. Sure, you know, where sure. is that ground? You've got to decide for yourself, Michael. I came up with some choices. And starting to think about your automatic request and mm-hmm. all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. yeah. the two marks that come to mind, as far as all-wheel drive, especially, are Subaru and Audi. Yes, for sure. All Audi being agreed. Quattro, of course. And then they both make great automatics. All right, mm-hmm. so they're not CBTs; they are gears, indeed. So, I kind of went down that road and thought of a WRX. We've we've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. you'd have to go back quite a ways. You'd have to go back to an 05 to 07. Just after the bug eye, I think the mm-hmm. bug eye ended at 04. It was, or ended yep. at 03, starting in 04. It was now the, the new headlight design there. But you could afford an 05, 07, somewhere in there. I found those two. Maybe. And I agree. I agree. But I'm wondering about an Audi TT for you. Because really? from 2005 to 2008, hmm. those are right at about $13,000. Yeah. 60 ish yeah. thousand miles. Kind of fun. Yeah. Let's say more no, fun than a Jeep Liberty. It's an F1 car compared to a Jeep Liberty. Let, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Almost a Prius is almost that, but not quite. Yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering about this car because we rarely recommend it. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it too much. They do make an automatic. You could do the two liter engine, all wheel drive. And at that price, you could just kind of 
do the rally car thing. And again, both Subaru and Audi have the rally car business, yeah. you know, yeah. in their history, in their past, of course. I, I'm gravitating towards those two because your wife already has the Audi A4. Sure. You're already sure. an Audi family. Mm-hmm. Okay. You saw where I was going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, TT, yeah. just a small, doesn't need to be bigger, doesn't need to be a wagon, doesn't need to be a big Audi. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. the smallest thing they make that's Quattro. Yeah. A TT. Yeah. That's where I landed on that. Get an automatic, hang out. Why not? I see that. I, I wonder about, I, I've heard plenty of stories from owners, unfortunately, about the early TTs that they were one of those 50-50 dice roll cars. Mm-hmm. You have the guy who's like, I had a TT, and all it did was run, and it was great. And the guy next to him, honestly, it was at the dealer more than he had it at his house. Sure. So, sure. So it sounds dig, like Mazda RX-8s or dig RX-7s. In, dig into forums yeah. and find out the specific problems with the years you're looking at if you're going to go TT. I actually don't want, want to pursue the WRX wagon thing for a second. I specifically was looking for wagons, but I'm glad you? you brought them up. I was looking for wagons because I was just thinking about the utility of it. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah. And here's the thing. If you go for those early Subaru uh, WRX wagons, you're probably going to spend less than ten grand, which means mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're getting rid of the liberty and you're walking away with more of your own money. You might even be True. able to find a, a wagon that you get for six or seven thousand. I've got a few of them pulled up in front of me here for six or seven thousand grand, six or seven thousand dollars. Yeah. And then you, the rest of your 13 goes to getting out from underneath the Jeep Liberty. Now, I hate that you still have to get out from underneath Liberty, but now yeah, yeah. you at least have got a car you own, and Outright, you, and the Liberty's saying. gone. Yeah. And then, yes, these high-mileage WRXs are going to probably need some stuff, but they're not going to be that expensive. And now all you're paying for is just keep that thing running. You know, I'm looking at a lot of them here that are 100 to 150,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Now, I know from having my Sabaru, and yes, a Sabaru is an option. But I, I know was wondering having, about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, for sure. It's a definite consideration. And here. they're inexpensive enough. You could actually save some coin. Six to eight grand probably for one of those. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. What kind and, of and mileage the, are we talking? Well, they're all going to be 100 to 150 in Well, this you discussion. took yours to nearly 200. I, had, I sold mine at 165,000. Okay. I thought so, it was higher, but, but that's but okay. These, these have a, a timing belt that needs to be on about 105, 110,000. If you're buying one that's anywhere around that, it probably hasn't been done. So right. plan for that. Uh, mine had a power steering leak. Very common. It was pretty much like call up the Subaru dealer and went, I have a power. And right there they went, yeah, we got that part. I mean, that, that, it was that <laughs> common. So you know, full of parts. Uh, exactly. So there will be some kind of known things. But I'm also finding, weirdly, that some of the wagons are cheaper than the sedans. So hmm. if, And I will say this to you. Because you want an auto, you get around the extra why are these WRX is still so expensive. The autos always go for less. Interesting. It's been and one of the enthusiasts. Exactly. Flavor and that's there. true of the Aero version of the Saab 92X. The autos are significantly cheaper. So I think that's a sweet spot here. Be careful of the stuff it needs, but I say buy a cheap one mm-hmm. for, let's say, eight grand out of your 13. Sure. You're, you're less underwater, and then you just get it up to speed and just run that car. It'll be fun, and it's a wagon, and you can beat on it. Don't have to be precious, don't have to care. Done. Interesting. No, I, I like that too. I was wondering if that car might come up, and sure enough, it fits the bill for so many reasons. Just cheap, and it runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing. And Audis, yeah, maybe. The Audis might need some love, and by that I mean a little bit more maintenance dollars thrown at them. But, for sure. You know, could be different and cool, and yeah, just kind of might be fun up some dirt construction roads. Who yeah, knows? I do have that wild card I have to bring up that I brought up, I think, one or two one or two other times on the, the source of the whole podcast. Okay. 
this is wildcard because the WRX hatch and the 92X, they're sister cars. They make obvious sense here. They work. Mitsubishi Lancer Rally Art Hatch. Oh, yeah. You don't With see them. a em. slightly detuned engine. It's a, yes, it, it's slightly <laughs> less. It's it's the WRX equivalent made by Mitsubishi. Yeah. So it's not quite the Evo 10. Those are rare. They're rare. But you can find but, one. But you can get them with the, uh, the actual dual clutch. That mm-hmm. gearbox does mm-hmm. make its way down into that lesser car. And it's 240 or so horsepower instead of the piano. It's the WRX equivalent. If you can find one, this is total wild card territory. But if you can find one, that might be an interesting alternative. That is a great gearbox. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and they're interesting cars if you want to go that route. I have to put that out there too. Interesting. All right. Well, Michael, hope that helps. Let us know what you end up getting. And uh, yeah, thanks again for writing in. Guys, we'll take a quick break and be right back. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real price on actual inventory. There's nothing worse than getting there and they go, well, we don't have that actual car you looked up. So a lot of times that's not the case, but with true car, it is the case. You can configure a car online, use a true car certified dealer. The pricing that you get is on actual inventory. There is a car that backs up that price. There are over 13,000 true car certified dealers nationwide. And true car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with these true car certified dealers. And plus, true car users save an average of over 3,000 off MSRP. Don't get me wrong. This is not true car says, we think the price is this. No, the true car certified dealer says this is the price for the car. True car is the conduit. So you want to work directly with true car, go to true car and find the car you want. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Alrighty, here we go. Shane out in Omaha, Nebraska this is, is cool trying one. to fall in love with cars again. This is really a fun one. <laughs> yeah. I like it. All right, so everyone, Shane has stumbled upon the podcast. He's been watching the YouTube channel for about five years, and Shane, we're thrilled. Thank you for following yeah, along. And Thanks a lot, man. Consuming the content. We really appreciate it. His love started with a family business in scrap metal. Mm-hmm. So he is the third generation currently operating the family business with his brother, so the first generation, he says, gets the ball rolling, gets the business started. The second generation, your parents grow and expand the business. <laughs> yeah. And now he's got the third generation he's tasked with keeping the business going. And it sounds like uh, business is good, apparently. Yes, business is good. Because did you notice that this email actually doesn't really have a budget? I did. That's why I called that out. And it's not and oops, based on the cars he's owned. It's not, oops, <laughs> I forgot to list one. It's just, I'm just going to buy a car. Yeah, so it good didn't for seem you. to be a detail that really mattered. Not that we're talking $200,000 cars. No, but, that's not the idea. That but he's had a lot of cars in a short period of time. There's, he's, just, he's buying something. He, but here's the other thing I take from this, Shane. You're looking for something. Yeah. So it started getting out of hand way back in 2001 when he just turned 16. The Fast and Furious movies came out, of course. Yes. Seems cheesy. But you know what? I wonder how many of us are not willing to admit that the first Fast and Furious movie kindled something in us in us it was massively influential i think massively so more than to many a whole people generation of car enthusiasts for sure and here's the thing i think even if 
even if you kind of laughed at the first film, you and I were old enough to laugh at the first film, but yet what did we do when we were done watching it? We were so annoyed that it wasn't better. We went out for a hard drive, yeah. like in the middle of the night. We got, I think we got out of the theater at like midnight or something uh-huh. like that. And promptly went for and a very hard went, drive. Hey, what if we just went for a drive? We're so amped up. Totally. Like, let's just get in our cars and go. Maybe not the greatest of ideas, but we did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So the list of cars that Shane's owned veers off into the riced and slammed but and you, fasted you see, and furious. You see the influence, though. That's I what happens. Do. Honda Acura, Honda, Nissan, Subaru, BMW, Scion with a Vortex Supercharger, the FRS. The FRS, yeah. He had a 15 Subaru WRX, a 16 Mustang GT, and most recently just bought... A 2018 Audi TT RS. Now, before you continue there, I do also want to comment because you guys can't see this list. The other thing that's funny about this list is that this list starts with Honda Civic essentially tuned within an inch of its life, <laughs> lowered everything you can imagine. He describes it as slammed and riced. And then by the time we get to the last three vehicles, they're left totally stock. Interesting. So we started with crazy tuning totally, and we've gone yeah. less and less tuning over the course. I do like that in the middle of this list is that 2013 Scion FRS, Vortex Supercharger, Catback, lots of money in audio. That's the last car you did any tuning to. Mm-hmm. And then the WRX, the latest one, the GT and the Audi RS are completely stock. Yeah, I find this interesting too. I mean, maybe it's a matter of time, not having time to go do that. But I think you're just wanting the driving experience right off the showroom floor. Yep, I think so too. Rather than tuning out a class. We've talked about this mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. Definitely with the FRS, it seems like you might have gotten there. Maybe not quite, but with a supercharger, catback, everything, yeah. you're probably right on that edge. And then now that it seems like you've got more money to spend, why buy cheaper cars and throw money at them? Why not just buy He's trying cars? to buy his performance, for Hence sure. Just the buy TTRS. It. Absolutely. Audi TTRS is not a car we've talked about much, and he has no. the brand new one. And I kind of want to uh, hop on a plane and fly out and drive. <laughs> no uh, said, He's had it said for 45 days. That's the key thing. Read the rest of that sentence. I did. This is crazy. So he says, as of this writing, I've owned this Audi for 45 days, and he's bored out of his Blanken mind. He's bored. He's bored of his Audi TTRS in 45 days. Wow. Now, I want to say, I don't care what you own, Shane. If you're 45 days into owning a car and your takeaway is, I'm bored, that's a problem. <laughs> I, agree. I don't care. I don't care what the car is. A car could be any car in a sentence. But it's an Audi TTRS, so it's not a uh, car not set up to be a performance car. So we have to solve this. We have to get you into something that you like. And what's interesting is I know there's a group of you out there that are going, these guys are going to say Cayman. But we can't. We can't. Agreed. Well, here's the thing. Shane tells us that he's driven much faster cars than this TTRS. Yes. 2009 Gallardo, many Nissan R35 GTRs, Mm -hmm. and a Charger Hellcat. Yeah. So what's interesting to me is as we go deeper into this debate, he's relegating driving fun and equating that with horsepower and speed. Did to you some degree, this? for sure. To some degree, for sure. Okay. But then I think there's contradictory comments in here, and I want to get back True. to the reason that the, the Cayman is out is our friend Shane is our, our height. He's 6'3", 250. He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. And he felt like the Cayman wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting thing to say here because it throws out a good number of cars. He's also driven a 2017 Porsche 911 Carrera with a PDK, so that's a 991 mm-hmm. Carrera. I don't know if that was the S, but it doesn't matter. 
you said it was okay, and definitely I agree. It's very well crafted, but maybe extreme money, high money, high cost for mm-hmm. a daily driver. Okay, I mean, if you can throw down and you can do it, I say go for it. But apparently the Porsches are out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the, the new, he, the 718 Cayman isn't big enough for the money, and the 911 is too much money. Too that's, much money so that's and maybe too precious is yeah. what I'm reading C- here. Certainly for what it would cost him. I think yeah. that's very true. So this is a very interesting <laughs> scenario, and we have to get you back to something that you'll just like. You do describe that when you had that FRS, it was, it was magic. I don't know another way to describe it. You just mm-hmm. It was one of those cars that you, you stalked when it was being announced. You bought it as soon as you could, and you drove it home. You, you describe yourself as beating your hand into the headliner because you couldn't believe it was finally here and you were driving it. Mm-hmm. That was a car you loved, and you clearly tuned it into, into a monster and continued to love it. And look, I, I'm going to come back here. Subaru WRX, yeah. current Mustang GT, Audi TTRS. These are cars in their own right that we have recommended or would recommend. Absolutely. Those are the three cars you've had since the FRS, and you say the last car you enjoyed was the FRS. That's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. All right. So just recently, Shane also purchased his first home. He purchased a condo, not married, no kids, works 70 hours a week, so he's a busy guy. Mm-hmm. But it does allow him the fundage here to yeah, purchase cars true, that he true, wants. True. So I think that's about as much as we're going to get on budget information, mm-hmm. which is fine. And he also says, I don't presume to be a world-class driver, but he has done nearly a dozen autocross events, three high-performance driving event track days. Yep. And he's only driving about 45,000 miles a year. For, yeah, kind of four, four or 5,000. You're right. That's not work. much. It's mostly a commute car, but he wants to like that commute. And again, yeah. I was talking at the top of the podcast about being surprised by how much I can like commute driving in the Lotus if I just embrace what the Lotus is. Right. And that was really informative for me thinking about this for Shane. I have a couple of kind of general thoughts, and then I have uh, actually four cars to recommend. You do. I've got do. five. Okay, good. But this is good. And again, long setup, but you have to know this because we've got to find something that is bringing back the love, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean power and speed. I agree. They I agree. can go hand in hand. Absolutely can they can. There, Absolutely they can. But it doesn't necessarily matter. And as a matter of fact, my list kind of starts out pretty hot and backs away from power and speed, mm. as a matter of fact. All right. So I'm starting out with Porsche. Okay. Not yeah. because I have to or I feel obligated, but because you said the 991 is expensive. Well, it is. What about a prior generation? A 997 mm-hmm. used Carrera S. Agreed. Excellent cars. Agreed. You didn't say anything negative about the 911. It was the price that concerned him. Correct. And that's what led me to, all right, just get a used generation prior. Mm-hmm. Maybe that could be a starting place. Which also suggests to me that... that while a hundred grand is possible, we probably should stay below that, which I used as an informative kind of rough Agreed. informative thing. Agreed. But I agree with you. Nine nine seven. Keep going. I moved to a Lotus, but it was the really? Evora S. Okay. Yeah. I S's. Can see that. Those are nice ones. Are seventy? Yeah. Somewhere there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Real nice ones. For 70, sure. Seventy five. I'm I'm worried about that only because if he's saying the Cayman feels small, I'm worried about the Evora. Possibly. But I like the Evora a Possibly. lot for this. Well, I, I mean, again, you're right. He's 250 pounds, so he's he's a big guy. Yeah. Which led me to the Mustang GT350. Now, sure, Shane, I know that the, the 2016 Mustang GT was part of your ownership. Mm-hmm. The GT350 is an entirely different car. Agreed. Agreed. It is it's nothing a very, like It's a genuinely GT. special car. Yeah. 
I, I just the the driving experience, the sound, the power, all the things that you would be looking for. Mm-hmm are entirely different than a regular GT. Shane, you at least need to drive one. That is mm-hmm. one of those cars. I know we've yeah. talked about it up one side, down the other, but it's one of those cars that really has a special kind of surprising quantity in it. And there are cars that, honestly, when, when a car has that, you can tell it in the, in the first block. Mm-hmm. And there is something a little bit magical about that car that is not in every car. So I think the GT350, you certainly should at least drive one. I'm, I'm thrilled you brought that up. The Lotus Elise is on my list. Now I know that he's really? he's 250 pounds. I know this. You've seen me get in and out. Of I mine. know. Yeah. But once you and I are in, we have the height. We're both six three. We don't yeah. have the the weight, of course. Yeah. But I'm I've got that on my list. If you can somehow experience a Lotus Elise, mm. Mm. the fun of driving, and just because you're a Elise guy and I'm Porsche guy, doesn't mean we don't both appreciate you know both the other marks. Of course, of course. I'm all about a Lotus if you can get into it because mm. of the thrill of driving, and that's what you're looking for. And my crazy, crazy wild card. I think that the GT350 is the car that you can fit in. But if you can somehow, <laughs> on a Go parallel on. world, okay. get into a Caterham 7, they're open top. Yes, but... Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I, I, it's a stretch. And this is why it's a wild card. No, it's it, a squish. It's this a squish is the problem. That, that, is, that is not a stretch. It's a squish. That is the most... That is the most poured into a vehicle I have ever been, but it is amazing to drive. It's amazing to drive. And, and again, I know I'm way out there on a limb, uh-huh. hanging by a thread. Yeah. But the point is I'm going down on power mm-hmm. and chasing the steering feel and chasing the lightweight nature of cars. Mm-hmm. Because, again, Shane, the, the fact that you know I could recommend, say, a Corvette Z06. Sure, yeah. We could go there. Mm-hmm. Gobs of power. Yeah. You can fit in it. It's a big, heavy, good fast chassis, car. Good chassis, you know, good handling car. But I don't know that yeah. that's going to bring back driving pleasure and driving fun. Fair. For me, the GT350 is different mm-hmm. because it does feel like a better balance of those things. And I that's see that. That's probably that. the biggest car you can get in. The Porsche you'll fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I'm chasing that elusive thing that you haven't driven. Those mm-hmm. cars you haven't driven. And, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Not on your list. And they're lightweight, light on their feet, the dynamics are different, different thinking across all these uh-huh, you know, Lotus uh-huh. and Caterham and especially the Mustang. Sure, yeah. That's what informed my list. But again, <laughs> whatever you can fit into is, of course, That's an issue, for sure. I mean, well, I mean, this is an issue for us as well. Obviously. You know, we had, we had a guy named Corey with us on the pilgrimage trip. Yes. And he yes, pulled yes. me aside at one point and said something I hadn't thought about. He said, hey, I'm 5'9". I'm which, by the way, is the sweet spot for fitting in all cars it ever made much in is. history. 5'9 yeah. is like, congratulations, you are the body type we built it around. Pretty much. But he made the comment to, to me, he said, I didn't even think about how much of a consideration height is for your car buying purchase because he's never had to do it. Hmm. And until listening to us talk about it, he hadn't even thought about it. Now his boss, we did actually a car debate for them. Yes. His boss is 6'5". So Jack's a big guy, and that got him talking about it. And he, he, the reason he came to us with his boss's car debate is because he had never thought about the fact, but it is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. It if is. you are either a very small person or a very tall person, the car was designed around that average build, and now you have an issue, which is why every time I get out of the Lotus, somebody says, how do you fit? Yep. Okay? So I have four I want to talk about. Okay. All right. But I also want to pursue kind of a, a train of thought here All right. with Shane. Um, the thing I'm thinking is interesting, Shane. I want to I want to come back around to this Audi TT, this RS. Yeah. Here's what I think the problem is. Uh, Audi 
is the a little bit more muted Porsche as far as tuning is concerned. Now, if you think about modern Porsches. In terms of dynamics, you're saying? Exactly. If you think about okay. modern Porsches, let's take Paul's GTS, which we both love. Yeah. We both talked about the fact that it is so polished and so refined that at low speeds, it's a wonderful car, but it's not hair on fire at all. There's, no. there's none of that. There's no mystery. The, the, the quirks really. are, are kind of refined out of it. Now, Audi takes that a step further, makes it a little more – now I'm talking as a general product line now – makes it a little bit more muted and adds a little bit more understeer. This is kind of the Audi way. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So think about Porsche and dial it that direction. So I'm not too surprised. I bet you that TT in all of your commuting is fine. You're not hooning it. You're not going to get to a situation where it feels really dynamic. Here's what I think. I think I think you need a little bit of a compromise car, a car that isn't as refined as it could be. Right. I think the Audi is too refined. We've got to dial it back. And I'm into a little bit older cars to do that. Okay. Okay. It's that thing where a lot of the cars that people love, I'll go to the I'll go to the cliche is the Countach. Wow. That's the cliche. Okay. You're not suggesting Countach. I'm not suggesting as, that. No, I'm not suggesting that at all. But but, it, but it's, for everyone. it's it is literally the poster child for this idea. Everything is wrong with the ergonomics of that car. Everything is wrong. If it can be wrong in ergonomics, the Lamborghini is presenting it to you. Yeah. Okay? The Ferrari Testarossa is up there too. Fair. Yeah. Fair, fair. So it's it's bad. It's not good dynamically. I mean, it's not good ergonomically. The dynamics are scary. It's a hard car to get in and out of. But yet, everybody listening, wouldn't you own a Countach? You yes. would. You'd know all these things. You'd still own it and you'd still drive it. That is the poster child for that That is the extreme example. Exactly. So so let's head toward these cars that have got compromises. The Elise is a great one, but I think the Elise is probably too small for you, but the Elise is a great idea in this regard because of those compromises. So I was trying to think about cars that I think you can afford, Mm -hmm. you can get into, but Compared to modern cars, they're a little rough around the edges. They're just they're, mm-hmm. that's a compromise. I don't have, to have deal the polish with. of the Audis, but because the, you're the driving it in a commute situation, it's going to kind of re-engage you, reinvigorate you with just the feeling of driving, even at slow speeds. Okay, and then you can still track them if you want. Here's my four cars. First off, you're a Fast and Furious fan. How is it possible you have not owned a '90s Supra? How is this possible? You have mm. the money. Go get yourself the '90s Supra. That's from are you that. thinking tuned? Or are you thinking ideally? Look somewhere find, in between because it's hard to find a complete. It is stock hard to find a fully Supra. stock one. Good I luck would find with that. as stock as you can go, but don't spend stupid money. Yeah. Okay. But but if you walk around with based on what he's telling us here, you walk around with sixty grand, you can find yourself a nice Supra. You could. Yeah. So yeah, look for Supras because that's from that that great era when all the Japanese manufacturers were making cars that were incredible. I love that you're starting with the first movie too. Yeah. Pretty funny. So yes. Yeah, so so seriously, Fast and Furious fan, that was a big car in your life. Go find yourself a Supra. At least drive that. So that's on there. Okay. You don't like the nine nine one? I got you covered. Buy an air cooled Porsche, an air cooled nine eleven. Expensive. Now, no, no, but I'm not saying 993. I'm not saying blow the bank out. I'm saying 80s. The G50 transmission, which is late 80s Carrera. Okay. Okay. Watch our 50 years of 911 so that these weird Porsche things that are buried in my brain now, <laughs> in spite of myself, are coming are coming okay. to fruition. But right. that, that uh, 3.2 liter Carrera, late 80s G50 transmission, which is what you want, but it's still air-cooled. It's still very, very light. Manual steering in the front end. Car. I want that car. But but there's Sheesh. but you will understand the 911 air cooled guys. They get a little cultish, candidly, but you'll understand <laughs> them when you drive that car. Okay. And that car at slow speeds is very cool. 
All right. And you can still track it. Perfect. In that vein, original NSX. Okay. I wondered if this was on the list. It's got to be going. on the list. It's got to be on the list. Interesting. That's a car that actually, the thing that amazes me about the NSX, the original one, is how nice it feels to be in. Yeah. Just climb in it. Ergonomically, it's fantastic. The mm-hmm. leathers are nice. You get a well-maintained, the leathers are nice. It's a nice interior. Wow, this is in the right place. It's aged so well. I mean, interior they went all the way to 05, I think. You could get, yes. you know, maybe a early 2000s model if but, you spend... But even the 90s models, though. Yeah, late, late 90s model. I was just thinking hardtop, because most of them are the Targa, which, okay. Either way, it doesn't matter. But I, honestly, that NSX has got that special handling feel. It does. It, Absolutely. That's, that's a car that has, that has the kind of, compared to modern cars, quirks. But yet, man, it's a great and car. And will run. That thing's going to be reliable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the most modern car on my list... <laughs> the least compromised car on my list because it's the most modern, but I still think it has that kind of quirky surprises about it that makes it wonderful, and you can get one all day long, BMW 1M. 1M. So again, reviewing real quick, the Supra, an air-cooled 911 from the late 80s, an original NSX, or a 1M. Those cars all have kind of weird science project quirks about them, but yet... They don't, don't feel as refined as, as modern cars, and they're wonderful. I think you'll love it anytime you drive in it. Go drive those cars. It's an interesting point that you brought up, and how many cars do we see down the road, the concept cars that we see coming now, mm-hmm. that are very science project-y, to use your term, Sure. that are, you know what, we just built it. Yeah, there's some things wrong with it, but we're just selling it. Mm-hmm. We're just going to see how it goes. There, there seems to be less and less latitude among the business planners at car companies mm-hmm. nowadays because of, you know, especially where things are going with autonomy and electric, not to bring that back up and beat on it, but those cars yeah. are going to be perfect in a sense of refined and quiet. They're and going they're to be characterless as a result. And all of that stuff. So yeah. is that going to force us, you know, us enthusiasts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to go back to the weird, funky cars of the 90s and the... You know, yeah, there's some things that don't really jive, and it just kind of annoyed me. But overall, this thing's awesome. Yeah. Those kinds of cars. But, you know, I, I hate to, to anthropomorphize cars even further than we normally do, but people are like this. Yeah. yeah. If you find that person who has nothing about them that is annoying, you will probably find them boring. Hmm. <laughs> and the people that you, we, we gravitate, I mean, look, there's, there's, there's the crazy hot scale that you're all hearing in your head. I get that. That, that does exist. But, <laughs> of but, course. but at the same time, though, there is that thing where most of the people that you really love in your life, you could also, if somebody said, what do you hate about that person? You could go, oh, I can tell you something. Here's what really, they always do. And there's an end of that sentence. I don't care who it is that you, that is just one of the most special people in your life. I could do it with my wife. She could do it with me in a heartbeat. Hmm. I could do it with my son. I could tell you what annoys me about my son. And I love my son more than I can tell you, Yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. Because there are those things about those people that you love. You meet that person that's bland and you just kind of go, good to meet you. Bye-bye. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks. So until I, you find something weird about them and maybe you, know, you grow giant pumpkins on your free time. <laughs> what? <laughs> See you anyway. Yeah, but, 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 here's, but here's the thing. Cars are headed that way. And as we go toward autonomous pods, they're going to be characterless and they're going yeah. to be perfectly in the way they run. So... I think we need to pursue that. I'm excited for the prospects here, and I hope, Shane, that something in here resonates with you. Agreed. All right. Well, if you have your own car debate, write to us, TV at Gmail, or the website. You can find us right on the website, everydaydriver.com, and write to us with your car debate. But for general questions, we'll jump to social media, and yeah. we've got a ton 
Well done, everyone, for yeah, your questions. Yeah, there's some awesome ones here. This Keeps getting creative and fun. And uh, there was a question from Michael M. on Facebook that I wanted to address okay. because it has to do with fashion and color and design. Of course, okay, good. I'm glad those you this kinds one. of questions are rather irresistible to me. I will, I will sit here quietly, which is hard <laughs> for me. Yeah. He says, earlier this week, there was a story about Buick saying that color was coming back in fashion for cars. For designers, does this change how they design the shape? In other words, are cars meant to be red or yellow? Do they require a different approach to the sheet metal design than cars that will sell primarily in black, silver, or gray? Well done on the question. Yes, color, I, I will say that it never actually goes away. There's a group called Color Marketing Group that actually sets and defines trends in fashion and product and cars. Of course they do. Think of cars, everyone, as big, expensive products. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, the sole purpose of cars is to pay for the health care of the people that build them, but that's a different story. <laughs> I love cars because of what they do. Yeah. All right? So yeah, that's yeah. why we have cars built in Mexico or, you know, cars yeah, built sure. in different countries. And then, yeah. All right. Different subject, but yes, color definitely does drive that. And the color and trim groups mm -hmm. definitely have an mm -hmm. influence throughout the design process. Initially, designers are meeting the brief, whether it's a you know, initial facelift. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. The colors might change, but they can't bring out a model and then say, we'll just offer it in any color. It's yeah. up to the color and trim team to take the colors that are coming in for this year. Yeah. That are going to okay. be predicted to be hot. The next shade. <laughs> all right. And it feels like them. high school to me all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know why it just feels like high school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they want to rectify that against the designs mm -hmm. and what they're seeing in the design studio because they've got to say, all right, are we going to offer yet another champagne metallic fish scale Ugh, celery? Yuck. Or are we going to push it a little bit further? And what's the character of the car? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It that that very much depends. And for Buick, you know, they're not high on their performance extreme list, so they're not going to sure. come out with a new model sure. like BMW did for the first E46 M3, that beautiful Laguna Seca blue and that yeah. gold, that mustard gold color. Sorry, sorry. It just struck me. Jamie, yes. who has that world's most perfect Laguna Seca blue E46 that is in our film icon, yes. one of the nicest ones I've ever seen or driven. That car's for sale. I know. I saw that Facebook post. I should post it. I, I will. I will post it on Facebook tomorrow with with the link for this podcast. Forty grand, which is a lot, but really? at the same time, that's a for one car. as nice as his, that is kind of the market rate. Plus, it was in the film. You know, just saying. Well, whatever. But <laughs> but it is honestly the nicest one I've ever been in, and it is the perfect color. And Jamie keeps his cars nice, and I was shocked. When yeah. I saw him the other day and he said that car's for sale. He's making room in his garage for something. He is. You know he's shopping. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Sorry, go on. All right. So, yes, the color definitely plays a part. And you'll notice that color can be they'll, – they'll splash a new model. And only for the first year will a hot color be offered mm. on that model. Mm, sure. They did it with that safety yellow Cayenne back in 2013. <laughs> Remember yeah. that? You yeah. know, they'll, they'll do that. But, yes, to answer your question, Michael – that definitely comes into play. Now, you know, Aston Martin's not going to run screaming colors all over the, the latest whatever, although they do have that nice burnt orange on I'm the DB11. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. They should, though. I know all of the they people that say the they only have to the car come in the silver. Buyer. But oh. Because bright primary colors, I don't think, work. It's jarring on a sophisticated car like an Aston. Don't care. To don't me, care. It's I want my Aston Martin in yellow. It's Because it's, it's me. 
yeah, of a child. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but that definitely comes into play. And it is a consideration. And the two teams yes. are very much working together because they have to sell cars. Mm-hmm. They have to you know, meet the design brief. And, and the color is so important. You, you think that they'll just splash some colors, but it is people's jobs. Yeah, it's crazy. To take these colors. And it's a slightly different shade. Porsche is a great example. They still offer this sapphire blue. But this new, uh, I forget what it's called, Miami Blue or, mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. it is on the new uh, Caymans. Yeah. It's a different shade. Slight it's still variation. blue. You can't yeah. just say it's blue. Yeah. You know, from Mexico to Miami, <laughs> <laughs> all these different shades. And that really comes into play with what's coming up through the fashion world. Yeah, Car designers are looking at everything as far as the products. Well, Long-winded answer, but yeah, yes, it matters. But I think about how much that kind of, I don't know the better way to describe this, but you're all going to follow me when I say it. What I can only describe as matte sky blue is such a hip color right now. It's a it's a hot color. You can get it on mm-hmm. 911s. You can get it on, on uh, M cars. It's this matte sky blue. And I keep wondering. That's one of those colors that I wonder about five years from now. Are we all going to look at those cars and be like, what were we thinking? Because it's such a hot color right this sure. minute. But I also want to come back and say one thing about the question. I think in general that really bright colors work on flowing, more simple designs. They do. And when you put a bright color on a design that's really jagged and does a lot of weird curves, it starts to be a little much, and it almost needs to be muted back to a better color. I mean, muted back to a more, like, base color. Mm -hmm. The silvers, the blacks, and the whites work better on something that's crazy. So you agree. It depends on the form. You can't have a a jarring – I mean, But this is the reason that a Vantage can be yellow. Vantage is a fantastic shape. Yes, but – Let's take uh, some new. Let's take the Prius, mm-hmm. the the brand new one. Yes, and have a bright color in that. Mute that as much jarring. as we possibly can. I'll also say Cadillac's design language lends itself to white, silver, and black because it's so angular and so sharp. And I think those cars in really bright colors don't really work. I think the ATS kind of works in that red they do, but that red is almost like a candy apple, almost maroon red on that mm-hmm. car. So it's still kind of muted. Imagine an ATS or CTS in yellow, like my Lotus. It's way too angular mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, those shapes will be just, whoa, too mm-hmm. much. Is this car going to sell in those colors? No, yeah. we might not even yeah. offer that. And yes, it is Miami blue. That was bugging me on the new Porsche. Good. It is Miami. Glad you solved that. <laughs> uh, great question. Carter Herod, you asked a question on Facebook, one of those either-or questions, and those are always deadly. So let's just dive into this one. <laughs> Would we rather drive the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile or a PT Cruiser painted matte puke green? And the answer for me very clearly is the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Well, of course. What are chicks going to dig? They're going to wave at you, think it's cute, and want to, they're going to want to ride. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, at least you know what Let you're getting begin, into. right? But, but yes, but it's also just, what is that? You never get into that and think this needs to drive well, but it's just a rolling laugh. The PT Cruiser is just going to depress you. I don't care what color it is. Yeah. I mean, so at least th- at least you're in on the joke in the Wienermobile. That was a bit of a softball question, I feel like. I th- it's, it seems like it's tough, and then you read it and go, oh, well, yeah, Wienermobile. I totally Let's drive want that. to drive the Wienermobile. For sure. For sure. Cruise around in that, everybody be like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> totally. All right, so uh, on Facebook, you'll have to go to our Facebook page to see this, but Devin M., Asked me, how do I feel about this photo? Is this only accept- acceptable in Laguna? It's a red 981 Cayman. I think it's an S. With a surfboard on the roof. I don't see the problem. Two words, Devin. Dude. Sweet. 
<laughs> nice. Dig there's it. there's today's T-shirt. It's the ca- it's that picture. It's the Cayman with the surfboard on it, and it says that underneath it. Perfect. Okay, we just need so- somebody. Please write these shirts down. Uh, and I actually know who's listening, and, and she's taking it on herself right now. And thank you. But uh, yeah, we need to write all these shirts down. Uh, anyway, so that's awesome. Uh, Avi wrote in on Facebook and said he's wanting to keep uh, driving a fun car. But he's, he really wants to drive a fun car, but he's worried about what his wife will think. Yeah, How do we handle this? Question. Avi, you have to include her in it. Yeah. Unless she completely says – unless she gets to the place where she's like, you know what? I don't care. And that happens. Mm-hmm. And we've had guys written in the podcast who their wives have their thing and they have a car thing and the, the two never meet. They each mm-hmm. have their thing and cars is his thing. And that's possible. But I think you have to include her in it. And that includes her driving it. Mm-hmm. You have to just – even if she doesn't fully embrace it, it has to be a car you can take her out for a nice evening in. Even if, look, I've taken my wife to dinner in the Lotus. Is this a luxurious experience? No, it's the exact opposite. We don't say much because the car is loud. But we went to dinner with the Lotus. and She likes the Lotus. It's fun. It's a cool car to drive up in. But I'm not suggesting go that far. But I'm saying find a car that walks that line where, and it can be a Miata. We've talked about this a lot of times, where it's just, it's so far away from the minivans and the appliances of the world. It's a fun car to be in together. Mm-hmm. You got to let her drive it. You include her in it. And then you've got a shot. Mm, I'm with you. Uh, there was a question on here that does relate to design. Uh, it's um, John. John G is asking this two-part question. First, have we seen McLaren's Project Invincible? Yes, I have. And secondly, what other products could you see different manufacturers make? He gives an example of, you know, Prius designing vacuums because they suck. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Oh. Check, please. <laughs> and the podcast is over. Okay. Uh, McLaren's Project Invincible is actually uh, has to do with healthcare, And it's a heart and lung and sternum protector that is attached on on the front and I they don't specify but it's their McLaren special group special okay. design and I think it's for racing or you know just chest protection in general okay. again they don't really specify if it's like motocross or something like that sure it would seem like a motocross thing but, but keep there's, going there's a number of companies that exercise their designers mm-hmm. and throw mm-hmm. other products for sure. at them I will bring Porsche Design back into the mix because it's not just branded products that they sourced and slapped the BMW logo on or the Porsche logo on or something like that. Yeah. It's actually a separate design studio with separate thinking. Aston does that, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, and Mercedes does that with yachts and furniture. True. And they throw their their design skills and their acumen at other products, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then that can inform interior design or exterior parts or things like mm-hmm. that. It, it's just a way to keep things fresh instead of just sketching cars all day, which I would love, but it can get, you know, you can get locked into cliches and sure. specific shapes that you can't break out of. And how do I make mm-hmm. this fresher looking? So definitely that's, that's a big thing. And, and McLaren does that. They actually do a lot of products and I applaud that. I, I think it's, it's a way to keep designs fresh and, uh, I'm I'm all about it, despite the joke. Yes, Toyota making things, but I mean, how about all the Japanese manufacturers going into robotics? I mean, mm-hmm. I think it started way back in the '90s with uh, Honda doing the Asimo robots, mm-hmm. and yeah. Toyota yeah, yeah. letting their designers loose with whatever crazy vehicle you can come up with. It doesn't have to actually be a sure. thing. It just has to be a people mover or whatever. Yeah, solving they had the weird problems. people mover things for a while. Yeah, there were some cool ones that came out I mean, of that. All, all of them nearly did it, I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, Toyota was a leader in that, especially as far as 
you know, it would, it would help you, you know, help disabled people upstairs or it would mm-hmm. sort of lift you up or kind of lift you down into this weird four wheel thing. I yeah. mean, for years I've seen all these designs. Well, ha- isn't it Honda there. that does the, the exoskeleton legs? I forget what those are uh, that think help so. people lift. I think that's Honda as well. We get these kind of things wrong. We drift into these, but uh, it's good anyway. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm all about that kind of stuff and, and definitely it informs designs. It informs direction for the company, mm-hmm. especially back to the infinity prototype nine that we're doing. Nobody, you know, Infinity doesn't need to produce that car no. in terms of, no. you know, here's what we're thinking about. Or They're playing around. Design yeah. exercise. For a while, a lot of car companies got into soapbox racers. Yeah. And every car company competed. Mm-hmm. And they would, I mean, Aston's was the most delicate, beautiful, expensive <laughs> Machine and then they did bits. the Signet, which was the rebranded smart car, and then they stopped that whole de- that whole department. <laughs> yes. Everybody got fired and went home. <laughs> exactly. So I'm all about it. I'm glad you're noticing. And and yeah, write your design questions because it's intriguing and and uh, it definitely informs what we like about our cars. Uh, two interesting ones that are both short. Uh, I think we're headed toward wrapping this up. But two other ones that I wanted to cover real quick. This one, the answer struck me and then surprised me. Uh, S2KVO on on Instagram asked, okay, clearly you've got an S2000. What's the car to get after an S2000 if you want something that drives like an S2000 but is a little more practical and nicer? Mm. And I thought about that for a second. And you're going to think I'm going to say FRS because they are related. But then I found one I like better because an S2000 has such a unique engine. It does. It has very light steering. It's a very small car. These are hard things to cover. And then I thought, you know, the answer I actually think is an RX-8. Surprisingly mm. usable back seats, a unique engine like the S2000, different obviously because it's rotary, but has that really high red line. You find power when you rev it. I really think it's got a lot of the flavor. Watch our S2000 RX-8 FRS piece. I think if you're going to go a little nicer because it's also a nicer interior than the FRS, which is a low bar. But it's it's nicer interior. It's got usable back seats, but it has that S2000 flavor in a lot of ways. I think that might be the answer here. Oh, I can see that. I like that. Uh, you said you had another question as well? Uh, Tyler asked me a question about, do I think, good question, by the way, do I think living in the UK caused me to like British cars? Hmm. Interesting question. It had to have had an influence. Well, clearly, but, but here's the thing: I was in I was in the UK in the very late seventies, early eighties, and that was when cars were kind of terrible, anyway. And I've Except talked before. For the Jag. True. Well, but that, but but the I mean, Jags terrible, of that era were but, now terrible, <laughs> right? The sixties Jags are the sixties Jag E types brilliant. By the early seventies, they'd ruined it with all yeah, the federal true. regulations. But anyway, but I've talked before on the podcast about seeing that big fifty-seven Chevy near me in England and just thinking, looking at it like a spaceship. It was my representation of the U.S., which is a huge car. I actually think, Tyler, what's happened to me is exposure. And what I mean by that is when I started driving, all the cars I got into, all the cars my family had, they were all huge American iron, these big, mm. big things. Mm-hmm. And then as we got into this show, I, for the first time, started to have the opportunity to drive stuff that was little. And it was so the opposite of my experience. I almost immediately connected. I discovered little. Exactly. Another t-shirt. There you go. And so every time I drive big stuff, I get used to it. And then if I have the opportunity to climb in something small again, I'm just like, why isn't everything this size? (laughs) I have to fold myself into these cars. (laughs) But the British cars seem to- Unscrew my left arm and take up my eyeball. The, the, The legendary British cars, if you will, tend to be little cars. 
and it's the little cars, the lightweight stuff. I mean, look, I'll go uh, Fiesta ST and 500 Abart. I mean, these are the same recipe done by other people. I like those for the same reason. Something about driving all that big stuff and feeling disconnected from it then getting in the little stuff, that's the stuff I love. And I, I don't know that it, why it's a British thing, but there you go. Well, I've got a last question on here from Instagram. This is our friend George, Mystic Negro on IG. <laughs> yeah. He's asking, what realistic concept car besides every WRX were you anxious to buy but inexplicably was never produced? And his example here is a second-generation Eclipse Turbo. Mm. Or he was an Eclipse Turbo owner. He wanted the fourth-generation Rally Art Eclipse to be a thing, but it sadly never was. To be honest, there's been talk of this Mazda RX-9 for so long now. Yeah, I'm yeah. endlessly intrigued. I think Mazda styling, they are just killing it. They found this form language that is so fluid and it feels fresh and modern. And it's them, too. It's very Mazda, yes. It, it's, it fits their ethos, their design brief, their language. I'm all about this car. I'm looking, looking right here at it. And uh, it's, they're just teasing us. You know, Who knows if they'll bring about you know, a hybrid <laughs> yeah. power plant. Sure, sure. Who knows? But a rotary coupe, it looks a little bit bigger, which I'm fine with. But the GT cars, the next generation mm, Porsche 928. Mm. This RX-9 from Mazda. Okay. Things like okay. that. Just not large GT cars, but still somewhat compact-ish, if you will. Yeah. Somewhere in there just intrigued me. And this currently this Mazda is just gorgeous. I'm loving this car. I hadn't thought about this question initially, but now that you've mentioned it, it's it sparked this in my brain. And I don't remember I don't remember the name. Somebody's gonna find the name. But right about the time that the FRS came out, okay. GM dropped two concepts that were little. Ah, yes. Uh, there was a rear-wheel drive one. I want to say it was called like the Code 9 or something. It was it had an oddball name. But right around the time that, like within a year of the FRS dropping, they dropped this. And it, it was... 2013? 2013, 2014, yeah. So it was... A, you're going to find it. I'm glad. I'm it looking. Was, it, it dropped, and it was supposed to be a essentially an FRS competitor. We're talking less than 3,000 pounds, small, compact rear-wheel drive from GM. And I just thought, I don't even care what it looks like. Build one now. Hmm. They never did. They walked away from it. And we've talked before about the fact that GM, unlike Ford, can't seem to make a performance car in every category or they, they just can't make the numbers work. But I just remember thinking, okay, why can't GM make something in that Miata FRS world? They have the know-how and the engineering and the chassis guys like crazy. GM has amazing chassis guys. They do. Cut them loose on something little. Again, I'm back to little cars. But when they dropped that, I just thought, please, please make that. And, of course, they didn't. They need it right now more than ever, I think. And here it is. It's the Code 130R. I was close. And True 140S Concepts. And that was a front-wheel drive one. But the one, I think the 130R was rear-wheel drive. Yes. It was, uh, yeah, the red one here. Yeah. It looked like a small Camaro. It had that language mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Sort of tall hips and tall shoulder line there. But it was a little, It was designed to be a little car. Yeah, this and guy I remember is the thinking about. about. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was where is that car? They so need wish they a small had. car. I mean, Ford's just outdone them in every category. Well, and now Ford, but Ford can't tell, sell Ford the ST cars. enough to bring it here well, again, which is a bummer. But yeah, anyway, we're and, off in the weeds and we're ranting, which we do well. <laughs> What's this? A four-hour podcast? Yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> Seriously, guys, thank you again so much for writing in. Uh, yes, write to us with your debate. Social media questions are just kind of fun. What's on your brain for current car news and. Uh, like I said, we, we look forward to that and um, can't wait to debate yours. For sure. Absolutely. Looking forward to next time, guys. Cheers. 
Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, a chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.